Larry Levine, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Doing well. This is this is awesome. This is awesome <laughs> being a podcast, Eric. Welcome to Aberdeen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Los Angeles, California. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was Larry. I was reading a little bit, listening to the the little uh, video that your mayor made. What's the situation in LA just now, just for our, our viewers in in uh, Aberdeen and oil and gas generally in Europe? So full disclosure, Eric. I don't know. I have no idea. And here's why. Um, when, when, the, when our current crisis broke out, mm. I, I, I mentally said to myself, I can bury myself and watch TV and pay attention to the news, or I can choose not to bury myself in it and choose not to watch the news. So I chose not to watch the news. I doubled down on re, reinvesting in myself, my message, working with my clients, getting the selling from the heart message out there. So you probably know more that's going on in Los Angeles <laughs> from Aberdeen than I do. Okay, okay. Um, but we're, we're, we're all in a, in a pretty confused place. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is uh, I listened to your book. I got the audio version of it. You and I were in the bath together, Larry. I'm sorry, full disclosure. <laughs> Just let yeah. you know that. <laughs> okay, well, so since you're going down that path, Eric, so a good buddy of mine, right when my audio book comes out, right? Good buddy of mine sends me a text and he goes, hey, Larry, he goes, I just want to let you know that I took a shower with you. And I go, <laughs> what? And he goes, not in the literal sense, right? Yeah. He goes, I'm listening to your audio book and I have my phone on the bathroom sink while I'm taking a shower laughing my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> we all listen in different ways, right? We all, have, we all consume our content in different ways. So the, the reason for having you on the show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to refer to my other screen here because the list is quite long. Strategic stra uh, sales strategist and coach, keynote speaker, social selling advisor, and best-selling author of Selling from the Heart, How Your Authentic Self Sells You, right? So you've got a lot going on on a day-to-day on a -day basis, right? It, it's, um, it's interesting. I chose this. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, we all have, I think in sales, the longer you spend in sales, and, and I don't care what career that you call sales that we all have aha moments, right? We all have those moments in time where we got to take a step back because we've been dealt an unfortunate stick, yeah. right? We've all had those moments in our career where we get career adjusted. We've had a bad meeting go the wrong way and, and things like that. Well, that happened to me. And if you and I wouldn't have been having this conversation four and a half years ago, Eric, okay. selling from the heart wouldn't be around. So the book, the podcast, nothing. It's just, you know, at 50 years old, I was fired from a high paying corporate job. Right. And totally unexpected. And then right then and there, I had a decision to make. I could go back and just stay in the same sales channel as in, or I could reinvent myself and recreate who I was. And I chose to recreate and reinvent myself. That's why, you know, I, I poured my heart into speaking about my issues in sales and writing about it and bringing selling from the heart to the forefront and tying social into it and all that is just, it, uh, it's just another way of getting the messages out there. And, and I shared with you right before we started recording this, I'm a big believer in this, that words matter and message matters and it's how we choose to use it. And it's the Absolutely. method and the media behind how we use this. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think, I think that the th one of the things that grabbed me about the book and there are many things that grabbed me about the book are 
anyone in sales. So I'm sitting here, most of my connections and most of my uh, uh, network is going to be sort of European oil and gas, right? So you're, you're over there and you've got your history, which is completely different to the kind of industries that, that I work in. Um, but I'm sitting there listening to your book and I'm actually putting names to the characters that I've come across because, you know, take the product and service away. It's the same stuff. It's the same, same stuff. This, this, this crosses industries. This is about, and I think there's lots of, there's lots of secret snake oil books out there, you know, do this and you'll, you'll reach your first 20 billion and all that sort of stuff. But you're actually appealing to the sales professional eye to eye in the mirror and trying to grab their attention about what's happened in this industry and what can be the alternatives, right? Yeah. And, and, um, I'm going to push the button on it and I may push the button in, in, in a way as, as we talk about this. And I'm not here to disrespect anybody. When I say this, Eric, there's, and there's a big difference in my mind between a sales rep and a sales professional. Yeah. And I don't care. I don't care what channel, what industry you're in. First of all, I think everybody's in sales. Yeah. And, but you know, conversely, how we're viewed in sales is a direct reflection of us. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and that's why I said, you know, to become a sales professional takes that's that's tough work, but how many people are willing to, to do the work and invest in themselves? That's why everyone in sales chases the shiny object, right? They want to find the easy button to everything. They, they want to, they want to surpass quota with the minimal amount of work, right? They don't want to do all the stuff that's necessary to get there. They just want to flip the light switch on. Mm. And that's the big difference between a sales rep in any sales channel and a sales professional in any sales channel. Yeah. The I think same thing, you know, take, take, so for instance, let's just take sales out of the equation. Same thing happens in any organization. What I write about selling from the heart. It's not yeah. just focused yeah. in on sales, even though it's got a sales spin to it. Yeah, very much. It crosses across different different disciplines, general management, leadership. It does cross across all of those, cut across. I think just getting back to what you were saying about the uh, sales reps and uh, and sales professionals, I interviewed Roger, Roger Bradburn, the chief exec of the Institute of Sales Management here in the UK. And he's been in sales his whole life and he's now the head of the sort of major institution that looks after sales professionals in the UK. And Roger was, Roger was saying that he thinks that we're still stuck very much in a rut in the United Kingdom where sales is almost like a dirty word. It's, uh, if, you're a, if you're in sales, you're, taint, you're painted with a certain brush. You know, you're, you're going to be used car salesman, snake oil salesman, whatever it might be. And there's not a lot of respect and dignity in the art of sales, whereas it might be slightly different in America. I've got American colleagues who are very successful in sales and wear it on their sleeve, very proud of it, and are celebrated a little bit. So we've got a slightly different stigma over here. So, so it's interesting that you say that. So I'm going to throw something back at you, Eric, um, because you said sales is a dirty word, right? At least how it's viewed by you. Quite frankly, it's the same over here. Okay. But if we think about it, who's taken the paintbrush and painted the canvas with all of this? It's the sales world. Yeah. Yeah, the empty suit. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm a big believer in this perception's reality. And the sales world has done a, an amazing job at reinforcing the perception of what salespeople are. Yeah. 
because for every great sales professional out there, there's numerous, numerous, numerous used car salespeople out there. And that's why trust is so low in sales, right? Look at look at any, and I'm not bringing statistics into this because statistics to me just drive me absolutely freaking <laughs> batty because they're just all, you know, numbers based on whatever, right? I don't, yeah. I, I don't bring statistics in anything. I go, if you really want to know what's going on, go ask your customers in your marketplace, they'll tell you, right? Yep. Got to be willing to suck it up and listen. So, you know, just look at it. If we're viewed as being, you know, used car salespeople and we're sleazy and we're unethical and we're disingenuous and, and, you know, all of this, who's done that? Mm. Mirror never lies, right? Totally. So if, if you want to be viewed as a professional, regardless of what channel you're in, walk, talk, breathe, and look like a professional, bring the best version of yourself to the forefront, listen, care, show respect, be appreciative, Listen, listen to really learn what's going on, not listen to spew. Change the perception of how people view you and watch what starts to happen. But it all starts inside. And that's, that's what I'm bringing out to the marketplace. So you, you, you are a, a, a big proponent of how on earth can you start to really understand the external world if you don't really understand the internal. So you, you advocate serious reflection. In the yep. book, yep, absolutely. And and um, so it, it's interesting because I look back on my whole entire career in sales. I was on more dysfunctional sales teams with more dysfunctional management than I care to shake a stick at. All they cared about a vast majority of them were numbers, even though they'd look you in the eye and say other things. Mm. They viewed you right when they looked at you. They're not, I mean, they're, they're seeing a human sitting there, but I can guarantee you this. They were looking through it through dollar sign glasses. Yeah. And there wasn't one manager I had on any sales team that I was ever on that helped me become the best version of myself. I became my own best sales manager. I was harder on myself than anybody. And I always said this, right? And it goes back to, you know, there's a leadership quote that talks about this, right? If you can't lead yourself, how can you lead others? Mm. So if I'm not willing to become the best version of myself, if I'm not willing to, to lead myself, how can I then in turn go out into the marketplace and get Eric to buy into me if I can't lead myself? So I'm, you know, in the first little bit of selling from the heart, I, I push the button on self-reflection, self-care, self-awareness. We got to align ourselves, our inner stuff. And I always say the inner heart work is the hardest work and with a selling from the heart spin on it. And we can spin this into any channel is if you go to your career with a broken heart, if you do your job on a daily basis with a broken heart, it's hard to fully do your job and full disclosure. I don't have a doctorate in anything. I got a PhD from getting the crap kicked out of me selling copiers in Los Angeles my whole life. But it's just being real, right? Yep. It's I'm comfortable enough in my own skin. We're all flawed. We're all we're all riddled with imperfection. It's just that if we don't come to grips with who we are and really internalize who we are, it's hard to go out in the marketplace. Well, we can go out there, right? And we can still be very successful. 
but I've talked to some of the most successful salespeople all around the world. And once we start peeling it back and peeling it back, we all have baggage. We all have issues. We all have stuff we keep in the closet. Oh yeah. I was willing a long time ago to come to grips with it. And once I came to grips with it, because I'm harder on myself than anybody else is harder, harder on me. So why am I saying all this is once I got comfortable with who I was and I came to peace with it, I started to have a lot more success out into the sales world. That's what I, that's what I would really encourage salespeople, sales leaders. I don't care what channel it's in. Once you come to grips with who you are and become the best version of yourself and know that we're all, all riddled with imperfection, come to grips with it and watch what starts to happen. So you then, you then, you then did all that reflection. And I know that it's something that you regularly do. You regularly check in on yourself and, and reset and reflect. Um, you tuned into the fact that the old business cards and make as many cold calls as you can and get the meeting, get the meeting, get the meeting wasn't really working. And that the, the authentic relationship building, really understanding your client's needs and being a different type of salesperson was going to make you successful. Was that pretty early on? I know you talk about it in the book, or did that come through hard knocks? It, came, it, it actually came through hard knocks. So what, what, what really brought us to the forefront, and I openly talk about it, is um, I had an unfortunate experience. I'm 55 years old. So I had an unfortunate experience when I was in my early 30s to where I got schooled, right? I was actually five minutes into a meeting with a chief financial officer, director of finance, right? Who abruptly stopped me in a meeting. Five minutes into the meeting, he abruptly stops me, cold in my tracks. And he says, I can't take it anymore, stop. Okay, I'm in my early 30s, I'm in a suit, right? I was already the top salesperson on my sales team. And it was right then and there, I had two choices to make. I could either just politely just say, you know what, sorry, exit stage right, and go on and chalk it up as a learning experience, or I could do something else. I chose to do something else. And I kind of readjusted myself in the seat. I drank a cup of humble pie, right, with a cup of coffee. And I asked the CFO, why? Why'd you say this? And for 45 minutes, I just took pages upon pages of notes, Eric. Yeah. And what I learned is the whole time, the whole time, that five minutes, all I talked about was me, my company, how great we were, our product, our service, and all that. And he couldn't take it anymore because I was the third copier rep who'd been in that office in a week talking to him. I just happened to be the victim. Yeah. So why am I saying all of this? It was early on in my 30s, I got schooled by a chief financial officer and I made a promise to myself it would never happen again. But what I learned is in the first five minutes, I didn't show how much I cared. I didn't show how much I knew about them. I didn't, sh I didn't share that I knew something about them and their industry. I didn't ask them questions on what their initiatives, concerns, and challenges were. In the first five minutes, I wanted to position myself in the way I thought I needed to be positioned. And then it was right then and there, I promised it would never, ever happen again. I took that story and that life lesson to all my customers at the time who validated it. 
And that's when I said this, if I'm going to really change how people view me, then I got to show how much I care. I got to bring compassion and I got to just show somebody I'm truly there to connect with them. Because once I started to do that, some magic started to happen. And they started to tell me the inner things that were going on inside that company. And it's really amazing because we try to outwit and outsmart people. Yep. Instead of looking at them as they're just another human being sitting right next to us. They all got issues. They all have challenges. But the more I show I care, the more that I go first, the more that I show that I'm sincerely there to help them. I share with them stories of how I've helped other people in similar positions. I understand what's going on. I get what's going on. Magic starts to happen. And it doesn't, and quite frankly, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. So you were already reasonably successful in sales or very successful in that sales role. But when this CFO hit you with that, that, that haymaker, it, it caused you to really look in the mirror and question yourself about what kind of salesman you were, what kind of sales, sales professional you were. Did you see the benefits right away? Did you said the magic started to happen when was this, you were already, you were already doing great things. Did it get better or did it take a little bit of a dip and then come back? How did it work? No, instantaneously, because that's when I started to realize the power of relationships. Because it, go, it goes back to this. Everyone's got the preconceived notion of what salespeople are. Yeah. I just did the complete polar opposite. I took that story. I took that situation and I went and I started sharing it out with the community, with you know, my clients. They validated it. And then I started asking them, what do they like? What do they don't like? Right. What could I do better? And that means that I learned what vulnerability was a long time ago. And vulnerability to me is a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. But I made a mental promise to myself that I would never be in that situation ever again. And once I started to place them, when I say them, my clients, my future clients, once I started to put them up onto a pedestal, that's why I say magic started to happen. Converse, conversation started to transform. What they were sharing with me started to become more meaningful, right? Yeah. And, 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 it's, and then that's why I go back and I go, it's not rocket science. This isn't rocket science stuff. If you're truly there to help somebody, if you're truly there to serve someone, then actions speak louder than words. That's why a lot of people in sales just say a bunch of words, right? I call it sales crapola. It's just they say a bunch of words, but do they really mean what they say? And if you truly mean what you say and you're clear with it and you're concise with it and you drive it with conviction, people will believe you and people will share. If you don't, people smell BS in two seconds. Um, yeah, I remember it just, it just, makes me think absolutely about I remember one guy that I worked with a long long time ago who was un, uncoachable unmentorable you know you would you would say hey I'm really I'm reading this really excellent book it's got some really good ideas in it you might not agree with the entire principle of it but there's some really good bits in here and I sometimes think there's there's some really good sales books there's some really crap sales books but if you're reading about your craft if you're researching different aspects of your craft and different people's opinions 
you know, is there any crap sales book? Because you're, you're, you're picking up little threads of things. You don't need to buy into the principle right away, but just the fact that you're putting time and effort into your craft and looking at other ways and other ways of thinking. But this guy, no, I'm not reading that book. I can't be mentored. I can't be coached. I'm just killing it every day. I remember he came back once and I heard him say to the boss at the time, it was a really important pitch that they'd gone to give to a client. And uh, the boss came out and met him in the hall and he was coming back like the gladiator. You know, he killed it, absolutely killed it. And uh, he said, how did it go? And the, the, the sales guy said, uh, um, absolutely brilliant. One of the best meetings I've ever been at. These people now know exactly what we do. And the boss said, uh, good, great. And he said, uh, what, did, what did they need? <laughs> you know what's going on with them it was projects driven so so what projects have they got well, well we, we never really got to that but those people absolutely know what we do and if they need us they'll give us a call yeah so how'd that go uh, they never called <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much of that right um you talk about the sort of empty suit syndrome um of the guys who are just you know the morning complainers that blame everybody on you know it was the client changed their mind on price the client changed their mind on this can't really take ownership and blame but you are a big advocate for if that sale doesn't happen it's your fault yeah i you know th there's there's so many people and, and and full disclosure i was guilty of it as well mm. long time ago mm. i think we all are yep is i just learned that you know def deflection is like it's like the biggest thing salespeople use. They deflect the truth, right? I'll point fingers at Eric because I didn't make that sale because it was Eric's fault, right? Eric didn't give me the support or the customer lied to me or whatever <laughs> the case may be, right? Yeah. I mean, let's just face it. I, I mean, it happens. When's the last time anyone in sales has pointed the finger back at them and said this, I'm solely responsible for what happens, right? Mm. So here, here's a twist on this, right? This is bring professional athletes, the superstars, the elite of the elite. If they've lost a game or something hasn't gone right and they're interviewed afterwards, does that elite of elite athlete say, it's the coach's fault? <laughs> it's my other team member's fault? No, they don't. Right. They go, you know what? We all could have done things a little bit different. You know, it was my responsibility as the leader of this team. I should have stepped up to the plate. Right. When's the last time a salesperson straight across the board, male or female, has lost a deal, looked themselves in the eye through a mirror and said, what could I have done differently to make sure that doesn't happen again? Mm instead of using all the excuses that are out there. Let's just face it, you just got outsold. You got outsold by a professional. Yeah, you, you, you lost that quarter or you lost that game. But, um, it's what, it's, but, it, but it's what makes you better. It's learning from all of those. You can never become a sales professional if you're unwilling to do the work that it takes to become a sales professional. And you map out some, I think what's, what's great about the book is that you do give us some, uh, and instead of just stating facts and, 
which you do, you state facts, you, you, you do a kind of state of the nation and you call for change, but you give us some of the tools for change, right? You give us some clues as to what to do. And one of those is, is, which, is which is probably alien to a lot of people, not so much to others, is, um, is the social side, the social media side of, of sales. Now, there are, there'll be salespeople out there thinking, well, you know, I work in heavy industry, I work in, you know, engineering, uh, or I, you know, we sell massive, you know, engines or or big kit to oil and gas or heavy industry. How is me going to, you know, making a video to put on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it is? How on earth is that going to change my position in sales? How's that going to help me? There's there's some people who may not still get that yet, but you're a huge advocate of the power of social media and quality content for sales, right? Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I'm not here to say this is how you use social or why you should use social. Cause there's enough social police out there that will tell people what they're doing right or doing wrong. Um, and social may not trickle into every industry, right? But there's one thing that I'd like everybody to think about is everybody understands that Google doesn't shut down. The internet's always on, right? When it's five o'clock and it's time to go home, Father Google doesn't say, come on, everybody, we're going home. And they turn the light switch off, right? So, I, you know, I, I'm saying this for a reason is, especially with the situation that's at hand as we're recording this, we are now living in a virtual world. We cannot walk into people's offices. We cannot shake their hands, high five, fist bump, however you want to do that. We just can't do that right now. So regardless if you're in sales or any other profession, we got to understand, right? I'm going to encourage people to give thought to, we got to learn how to walk, talk, and breathe in a virtual world. Mm. We got to learn, and it, it goes, I'm going to take this one step down. Look at any corporation, any corporation out there st will strategically, right, position themselves really well through a website, right? At least I hope they do. Yeah. If first impressions matter, then if people go walking on the internet to find out something about you, what are they going to find? Now, you might not be in an industry that, you know, warrants heavy social use, right? Because, you know, I'm not, there's enough people out there that make blanket statements. This isn't a blanket statement. Not all industries operate the same. There's a massive difference between, you know, your industry that you came out of, right, Eric, oil and gas, and what I came out of, which is the copier channel. They all understand social media. They all use it to some form or fashion. But it's how it's filtered and trickled down into their client base and so forth that I think matters. But if you want to become the professional that I know everybody can become, learn how to strategically position yourself First step, step number one, learn how to strategically position yourself online. I don't care what you do with it past that. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your career to become the best version of yourself. And when somebody goes to find out something about Eric, what are they going to find out? And that's why, and that's why I wrote something a couple weeks ago. And I said, how many of you would live in the social house you're creating? And then I said, that's why most people would be homeless because they couldn't <laughs> live in the social house because it doesn't exist. 
No, but it's a fact. The 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 supply chain people. Um, we we in this industry live in a world where typically typically the the technical people will evaluate uh, a proposal or a tender, and then they'll say, look, it's between these three. Go and get the best deal to the supply chain people. So immediately you're now you're now away from technical, and you're dealing with you're dealing with people who are trying to get a good deal. Um, but you know, I've been in a situation where I've noticed that those supply chain people, although maybe you could say that that industry wasn't typically social, those supply chain people are checking out our company's LinkedIn page, are checking out our individual LinkedIn pages, are checking out not just our, our website, but deeper into the individuals. And I think that's becoming more and more to the fore these days, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, and you, you bring up a fantastic point, Eric, is, so just imagine this for a moment. Let's just use your industry who may not, you know, the industry, the oil and gas. Let's just use that. They may not be heavy into social, right? But they are, they are doing some due diligence and so forth. They are on the internet. They are verifying, checking, learning, educating, validating, all these things. Imagine, imagine for a moment that somebody in that industry is proactive enough, proactive enough that they get engaged in a conversation with, a technical buyer, right? Somebody like that and says, you know what? Um, let me share with you, if you'll allow me, let me share with you how I've been leveraging the power of social. Now, this is interesting in this channel that we live in oil and gas that may not be socially aware of a lot of things. Let me share with you over the last 30 to 60 days, some of the things that I've uncovered. So if we can connect on let's say the platforms LinkedIn or whatever. Some things that you might start to uncover, right? You'll start noticing that every day I, I put educational bits of information out there. You'll learn something about me. You, and quite frankly, you'll see other people posting things and it's a way to grow your knowledge base. Just simple things like this, right? Yeah. Totally. I think it's up to us. A sales professional takes a proactive stance and they'll share with people, hey, you know what? You may not be socially inclined. You may not believe in the power of social. Let me share with you how it's transformed what I do. Imagine for a moment, right, if we connected afterwards. By us connecting, now we can get to know each other a little bit better after I leave this office. You'll see some things trickle through your newsfeed that may interest you. You may start to uncover people you'd like to get to know that I know. Just simple little things, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. We, 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 you know, we, we, live, we live in this world. And we'll quite frankly, look at how you and I connected, right? Yeah. So we, yeah. We, we live in this world that's digitally driven, and we live in a world that's socially connected. Yeah. You're one degree of separation from your best opportunity. Most people don't know it because they're not connecting the dots. They're not engaging and driving conversation and exciting people in to get to know them. They just collect connections like they collect baseball cards. <laughs> so the idea of this, this little crux cast was to just, just tip our toe into the water of, of the book and your message of what they do. When you wrote the book, Larry, who did you, apart from, you could slap me down here by saying salespeople, but who did you envisage reading this book and what did you want them to do with it? What did, what did you hope? That this book would do <laughs> so it, it's interesting that um, 
I didn't know what to expect in writing the book. Dead serious, dude. No idea. I didn't know if five copies would sell. I didn't know if thousands of copies would sell. I didn't know the impact it would have. I just want, I brought selling from the heart to the forefront because I'm willing to say the things that need to be said that everybody else dances around. Mm. So my intent is I was bringing my heart. I was bringing stories. I was bringing me to life in that book. I've walked through hell and back as a salesperson in a highly dysfunctional channel. I've been screamed at, I've been kicked at, I've been yelled at just like anybody else in sales has been, but I did something about it. Yeah. And I'm willing to wave the flag on authenticity, sincerity, substance in the sales profession. It's sorely needed. I'm bringing it through selling from the heart. I'm bringing it out to the world that the average person in the average part of the world and the average company can understand and relate to. Yeah. And through selling from the heart, I kept it real. I kept it relevant and I kept it relatable. And what I found out is as people were, were reaching back out to me as hey, I can resonate with that book, I'm waving the flag around it. And as we're all going through the situation that we're going through right now, this unfortunate situation we've all as the whole entire world have come together that we've all gone through this at the same time, unprecedented times all around the world. We're going through this at the exact same time in different ways. And it's really messed with a lot of people's mind. We've gone through fear. We've gone through roller coasters and all that, the same emotions we all go through in sales. It goes back to the very first thing that you, you'd asked me in the very beginning. We started talking about, you know, our situation here in LA versus by you in Aberdeen. I chose to double down on myself. Yeah. What I'm asking salespeople in that in general, whoever reads the book is double down on yourself. Double down on who you are, become the best version of yourself. Watch what starts to happen to your career. Bring some self-care, bring some self-love, bring some self-reflection, bring some self-awareness to the table. It's your responsibility. It's not somebody else's, it's yours. And that's, that's what I started to uncover as the book has just blossomed. And, and I'm blessed. I, you know, I, I thank God every single day for giving me the ability to just use this in a way to change the, prof the profession. I'm just waving the flag on it. I'm not dancing around it. I'm pushing the freaking gas pedal to the floor. Yeah. Because the sales profession can do so much better. If we're all going to walk around and say that we're real, we're genuine, we're authentic, then I'm going to pardon the expression. I'm going to call bullshit on you in two seconds. If you're just hiding behind it and you're using those words to impress somebody. And that might go against the grain of some of your listeners and they might throw the middle finger out at me and that's okay. That's right? fine. Yeah. I can't please everybody, nor can you. But if, if, if you're going to truly lead a selling from the heart lifestyle, then you got to walk it, talk it, live it, and breathe it. And people can smell BS in two seconds. They can smell insincerity in two seconds. I poured passion, pride, and I poured every ounce of what I have into that book. And through that book, I uncovered who I really was.
And that's what I want people to realize when they read the book to discover who they really are. I think that's uh, I think that's a, a fitting end to this little teaser uh, for my network on on what this book's all about. It's hard hitting. It's heartfelt. Um, it is the, the 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 definition of authenticity. Uh, authenticity, and I think I think regardless of where you are in your sales profession in your career, or if you're connected to sales or marketing or BD or general management, I think this book is is well worth not just taking a look at, but you know doubling down on it and taking a, a good a good think about what we are uh, and what we do. So um, last question from me is, now that you've delighted us and inspired us with Selling from the Heart, I have a feeling, and I, I don't know this for sure, I have a feeling it's not the end of the story. I think there might be more to come from you, is there? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, not the, it's, not, it's not the end of the story. So... Um, there may just be a sequel popping up here Ooh. in the not too distant future. Right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good enough. Well, that, that's great because it uh, gives us, gives us something to look forward to while we're still thumbing the pages of uh, selling from the heart. <laughs> Listen, it's been, uh, I'm off to download the, the self-reflection journal because I bought the audio version and I need to get the journal so that I can make the, the notes for my re my re listen. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. It's uh, inspirational. Totally appreciate what you're doing, uh, Larry. And thanks so much for joining us. No, it's my pleasure, Eric. And by the way, you don't have to download it. Just send, just send me a message and I'll send you the PDF. Oh, that's cool. Thank you so much. Brilliant. I'll do you're that. You're welcome. Thanks my for pleasure. joining us. All the best. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.